Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the mid-alt that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hello everyone, um, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but the hay fever, the hay fever, you'll hear I'm snuffly, my eyes are pink, I get hives all over my face and neck and chest, which is nice. And more than that, I resent it. I feel like it's some sort of genetic weakness. You know, it makes me feel pathetic and substandard on top of everything else. I'm just like this snuffly, red-eyed witch. It's also really mean, I think, to, like, be allergic to a season. A nice season as well. I know, spring's supposed to be great, right? Yeah. and everyone's like, oh, no, I dread it for the hay fever. I'm like, fucking hell. You shut the windows, draw the curtains. Oh, dear. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I, I cried yesterday because my arm hurt. Oh. I know, I had a sore arm. I have a sore arm. And I cried because I thought, you know, what along with my sore foot and my occasionally sore back and my sore soul and my sore... And I just thought, oh, is this the point where everything's just going to hurt a little bit? And not only that, though, I think it's to do with typing. Oh, repetitive strain. You yeah. need to get one of those foamy wrist supports. Oh. To, so you can lay your arms upon them and type without wiggling your wrists. Oh, can I just get... Do you think I can get that on, like, Amazon? I think you could probably do it now while we're recording. <laughs> oh, my God. Then I, can, then I can have an Amazon high. An Amazon high! I mean, immoral, but true. It's so immoral. Maybe that's why we get so high off it, because not only... Is it exciting to have packages delivered and you don't know what it is? And invariably it's like, you know, uh, a foamy patch for your RS. Yes, yeah, so in my case, RSI. if the doorbell rings, it will be moth killer. <laughs> because <laughs> yes. the moths have colonised the carpet under my desk. And I only realised yesterday and they've devoured it all. And it's the only nice carpet in the house. And I'm just trying not to think about it. So but yes, it's not a sexy high, but it's a high nonetheless. Listen, we've got to get our kick somewhere at this point. I, mean, <laughs> I had four drinks the night before last night. I was basically hospitalised yesterday. <laughs> Do you remember when Lucas Aid and a bacon sandwich was all we needed to clear the cobwebs? Yes. And like a brief conversation saying, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I do. And then fine. Do you remember when, we, when Emily and I used to work together in our late 20s on a magazine and, and there was a code and we'd look at each other if someone came in a bit sort of like, you know, bleary-eyed and um, dangerous-looking. And so, uh, uh, you, it would say, do you need love? And <laughs> yeah. you go, yes, I need love. And it basically meant I've been up all night. <laughs> Which, in my case, was happened all the time. I mean, it was. It was a sandwich and a cup of coffee or a Ribena or some Lucozade. Now it's a vitamin drip and a, and, a, and a darkened room for at least two days. And even then, it's touch and go. You know, I went to a 9pm screening at the cinema last night and I think I may never recover. But, you know, the mind... It does have tricks up its sleeve to support us, doesn't it? You know, even if we can't drink 10 shots and dance all night and, you know, sleep with terrible men and still make it in for the 9am <laughs> meeting. Well, not often, anyway. Um, we have new ways to get high, like very, very high. You had an organisational high the other day. I absolutely had an organisational high. And maybe this is back to kind of school days when the new exercise book or Tipex used to cut the mustard. Yes. But... Okay, so I'm even tingly just thinking about it. I rooted out all the information on three different pension schemes from the drawer of death and I scanned the documents using my phone. Uh, yeah, hang on a second. Hang on. I mean, remember faxes? Oh my God. Do you remember the tyranny of work experience and the photocopying machine? Now you can just scan from your phone. You can literally just do it. It's ins I mean, I was absolutely overwhelmed. Anyway, hi again. I scanned um, a check from my phone the other day. 
My mother very kindly gave me a cheque for Christmas and it stayed in my purse for two and a half months because I could in no way make it to the bank and every time I did it was closed or, you know, shut forever. They closed the branch. And uh, and I realised that if you have a cheque, you can scan it on your phone and it immediately gets put into your bank account. I'm, I can't... I'm flabbergasted. I know. I mean, kids just will never know what the torture we went through to get anything done. Anyway, so you scanned the pension documents. And I sent I mean, them... I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that you felt high. This is quite boring, so let's move through the pension documents. OK, fine, fine, fine. So I scanned the documents, sent them to my new provider. It's now all in one neat pension package, and I was high for days. I'm still high. It's a bit like telling me about your dreams when you tell me about your pension packages. Well, that's just because you're jealous, because I've got one. Apparently, there is a not drinking caffeine high, <laughs> which is annoying and counterintuitive and sorry. But a lot of people are talking at the moment about giving up coffee and feeling absolutely fine. Actually, better than fine. They're like overflowing with verve and vim. Um, as if <laughs> replacing the dark coffee liquid stuff with something purer like water or fucking hot water and lemon has actually had some benefits. What? It's so annoying. Lies. I mean, obviously, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not even going to believe this, but, but it's helpful, so we'll pass it on. I mean, Emily's not allowed coffee. No, I'm we not We once were in a meeting, again, God, we're nostalgic today, back to those days, I you know, know, almost 20 years ago. We, we were in a meeting and, and you were so deranged that I said to you, have you had a cup of coffee? And you said, I have, and I said... You are not allowed to ever have coffee again. And I'm so obedient that I've never drunk coffee again. <laughs> 20 years later. The power. Anyway, as revenge, I'm going to tell you about the cold water high. I know that we're not discussing it. I know you can't hear it anymore. I know no one listening will hear it. But there is a reason women are jumping into freezing water. Moving on. No, let's not move on, actually. Let's just get to the bottom of this. What, what is the cold water high? How does it work? Basically, you ease yourself when I say jumping you ease yourself into the cold water you get to your heart your heart basically it take literally takes the breath out of you and then you have to slowly regulate so that you are breathing and all the time you're thinking fuck 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 and then suddenly you are euphoric with a kind of a sensation that means that you have survived this thing but also that your body is functioning in the way that it should do and you reset the vagus nerve when you do things like that. And the vagus nerve is what sort of basically helps your, your nerve function. So do you think it has helped you in your everyday life doing cold water swimming once a week? Yes, a thousand percent. Calmed you down? I think that what it does is, and especially in these slightly challenging times, she says, sounding like Dickens and not meaning to, that it basically resets the week so that I can then move. It's almost like it draws like an etch-a-sketch on my week and I can then move through the weekend without feeling like I'm carrying all of the week's baggage. Oh, I see. So you do it on a Saturday morning and yes. so it basically, it, it creates a boundary between last week's worries and the weekend. Yeah, which is an amazing gift, Yeah, I think. Um, and I would highly recommend it. And also, I would highly recommend doing it with a group of women. And you can go on to Blue Tits, which is an organisation for women... Swimming, cold water swimming. Well, there we go. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be having the, the, cold, the cold water high. <laughs> the high that I crave, that I think we all crave, is, is the comeback high. <laughs> you know, the kind of mic drop moment it, when somehow 
all the planets align and all your ancestors gather in your spiritual corner and your brain fires up exactly as it should and the perfect repost comes out of your mouth when you're in a terrifying, adrenaline-flooded confrontation situation. It doesn't happen five minutes later when you're crying in the loo because of your repeated failure to launch. And it doesn't happen five hours later when you're in the bath replaying the conversation for the 10th time. It doesn't happen 10 years later when you're walking through the park going through that conversation again instead of listening to your motivational self-help podcast. But instead you're all like, uh, did I ask for a glass of your opinion? <laughs> oh, I want that. Or actually, Jeff, if you look at the timeline, uh, or yes, uh, Jeff, if you refer to my email of the 12th of April, you will see that I did note that this was the likely outcome. So how do you plan to resolve this, Jeff? Oh, my God. I just want to say to someone, how do you plan to resolve this, Jeff? I mean, how good does that feel? <laughs> so good. I mean, sex and gambling and drugs are all great. But have you ever said the perfect thing at the perfect time? Oh, no, I won that high. Okay, another high that I love, probably my personal favourite currently, is the getting into bed high. Now, basically, you know when you're sofa tired, yeah? Yeah. And you still have that mountain to climb. You have to take off your sofa pyjamas and put on your bed pyjamas. You have to do your quick and cheap 25-step skincare routine. You have to floss, you have to brush your teeth, you have to meditate, you have to pray to the gods, you have to adjust the temperature, the lighting the ambiance, not forgetting the cracked heel balm and also find a pair of socks that you haven't decimated with your gnarled toenails. And then obviously the cuticle cream and nine just-in-case peas. Yeah, but you have to go back downstairs as well, don't you? Because you have to put on the dishwasher and (laughs) check you haven't left the gas on. Uh, 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 And then, and and only then, can you slip into bed. Oh, and that moment, that moment where you tuck yourself under the duvet, that's... That's the moment. That's the high. The trouble is, wonderful, though I agree that the getting to bed high is, it keeps us awake. <laughs> We're so high that we then have to read the entire internet before we fall asleep. Do you, I think that's actually completely right. I think maybe that's the problem. Is how high we feel we get into bed. The relief is too much. It's too much. That's what kicks us back into kind of a joy state as opposed to a, like a calm sleep state. So might as well just stick with the TV high all night. Well, yeah. You've watched so much TV that your (laughs) eyes are swiveling around the back of your head. Just one more episode won't hurt, will it? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And you in no way look mad with the sort of crumbs around you and the imprint of the slogan cushion that you hate on your face. No, not mad at all. It's fine. You're totally fine. ten to one. Just watch another episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, I tell you, I know speaking of our 25-step skincare routines, there is nothing better than the new skincare high. Is this the product that's going to reverse the process? <laughs> and for just a blissful second before you've opened it, it is. It's going to reverse the process. And the pop of the jar, you know? Yeah. And the way it looks on the shelf. It's enough to make you contemplate sort of becoming a skinfluencer or something. You know, you, you may <laughs> even practice in front of the mirror and think, oh, should I get a ring light? You know, one of those halo things that makes us look sort of Kardashian light. Yeah, and then there are some weird bits, like you peel off the metal foil and you think, should I lick it? (laughs) (laughs) You have to remind yourself it's not a yoghurt, as there's deposit, you scrape it off, scrape it off. Do you scrape it or do you put, I just remember, I sometimes put directly, the metal directly 
the bit that's on the top of the metal directly onto my skin. No, I scrape it off the metal. Okay. The yogurty cream with my finger and and then and like it's like it's like licking a spoon but with with skincare. Yeah. But also, do you get that thing where you become weirdly resentful of a nearly finished pot or tube of cream? Yes. It's like you you know it's like it's like you, you're sort of saying to it, hurry up and die already. But also, can you please never leave me? What will I do when you run out? <laughs> it's so true. But then you've got the new, the new, the fresh cream that's there waiting. Waiting in the wings. Exactly. And uh, cookbook high. Yeah, I know that. It's the smell of the thing. Oh. The possibility of it. The thickness. There's something about the thickness of the pages of cookbooks. Yeah, and, and those heavy textured covers. All the potential. Yeah, it's, it's narcotic, actually. But but swiftly followed by all the no's. <laughs> the mess. The guilt over the stupid, expensive ingredients that you'll only use once, like a massive jar of preserved lemons. Oh, thanks a lot, Otolengi. I've got so much fucking kimchi in my... I don't even know how long it lasts. Oh, and the, the precious pots of really obscure spices. And then, then there's mess and the burnings and the realisation... <laughs> the burnings! The burnings, and mostly burnings, because you've realised that all your pots are fucked and awful and horrible and encrusted. <laughs> and the oven needs cleaning, which is definitely going to happen. <laughs> Oh. In the end, maybe it's just, you know, less traumatic to get a takeaway. Yes, yeah, so you just wipe the cookbook down and put it away. Yeah, there's nowhere to put it, is there? <laughs> so you <laughs> just put it on the sticky pile of other <laughs> cookbooks that just teeter at you threateningly while you just whack another ready-made cottage pie in the filthy fucking oven. Also, every time I get a cookbook, a new cookbook, I think maybe this is what's going to activate my inner chef. Do you think you have an inner chef? No, I'm hoping that I've got an inner chef. I'm we might. There. I mean, inside all of us, there's a sort of swirling marshland of, of women we've been and girls we once were. And I don't know if there are chefs and potters and <laughs> artists and, you know, all the ambition and the shame and the hope and the pain and the character traits are probably there somewhere, but they get locked in. So it mm. becomes like a sort of Pandora's box inside us of behaviours and feelings that if we could only find the key... They could fly out yeah. and change everything. Agents for change actually living deep within us, like a primordial swamp of potential. And, you know, so the self-help people, they try and assist us by talking about the inner. The inner. Like, we talked about the inner lion, didn't we, recently? You know, channel your inner lion, someone said. But what if ours is a mangy, weary, defeated, lying in the sun, waiting for someone to bring it dinner situation? No longer interested in showing the world it's raw. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone else said, channel your inner shark. <laughs> Attack the wheat like a shark. That's a meme that goes around. What, what, ever moving. It's exhausting. Just going around in circles. Frustrating. Making everyone scream in terror. Well, that's kind of fun. But maybe a bit isolating in the end. <laughs> yeah, we don't really need any more isolating, do we? Yeah, so we started thinking about, about some of the other inners that we could channel to unleash hell. Mm. No, no, not hell. To unleash potential, right? It's all about potential. Yeah. And perhaps there's an inner warrior, right? Bows and arrows and swords and breastplates. Yeah, I have to say my massive bra is almost a breastplate. But go on. Constantly displaying extreme bravery and brio at every turn. They have comebacks. I mean, they may be bows and arrows, but they've got comebacks. What if that inner warrior isn't so much courageous as psychotic? I mean... <laughs> That's very What likely. you don't want is a hormonal inner warrior leading the charge, do you? You're looking around for umbrage, taking it and taking it personally. An inner warrior with no battle plan, no boundaries, who probably always needs to be. No, 
we shouldn't trust our inner warrior with anything. Absolutely not to be relied upon. Neither. What, what the inner child? <laughs> no. I mean, when you think of your inner child, you think, you know, that, that she'll be sweet and, 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 and innocent, blameless, vulnerable. You know, the vul- inner vulnerability. We've got to find it, got to find it. Until she has a tantrum and, and, and puts her foot down on the pedal through the floor and all bets are off because there is energy and there is need, but there is no wisdom. There was just a sort of deranged mini princess burning shit down and refusing to take no for answer and getting more and more overexcited and inquisitive, like, gimme, gimme, you don't love me. All my friends are allowed to do that. Let's get a piercing because a nose piercing is definitely a good idea. Plus, I want all the sugar, all the sugar. Oh, dear. It's so true. Let's not unleash our inner children. What about an inner guru? Ooh. Do you think that there is one that we could harness? Some well, profound understanding? Some profound inner understanding, maybe. But I think my inner guru is probably drunk. <laughs> I think probably her sagacity and foresight have weighed her down for too long and she no longer gives a fuck. In fact, I think that my inner guru, if I have one, has probably commercialised and now charges 200 quid an hour from a small room in Chelsea. <laughs> she's reading fortunes, yeah. etc. Yeah. yeah, I think she decided her insight was frankly ageing. <laughs> So now she just sells it. And, you know, if you can't afford my inner guru, then maybe you could afford one of her mass market Zoom courses. But I think with the inners, it's got to be a sort of much more um, uh, bespoke service that we're looking for, no? Yeah, and so we slope around the house, dealing with the day-to-day, wondering where the miracle will come from as we, say, sort out the recycling. The recycling. I mean, we are the only ones in the house who understands the recycling. Possibly the only ones in the street. <laughs> Do you think this is a sign from our inner earth mothers? Oh, are, are, are our inner earth mothers speaking to us through the recycling? Is it time to let our inner earth mothers come out to play? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> enough you... with the mothers. <laughs> the cult of motherhood, your mother, my mother, how to be a good mother, how to cope if you had a bad mother, how to be a badass motherfucker, how not to be a dickhead motherfucker. I mean, I mean, I don't know what my inner earth mother would even say. For a start, she'd probably be chanting. So that would be both annoying and difficult to understand. <laughs> also, she won't let you drive or eat meat or buy new clothes, wear deodorant or use the tumble dryer. Yeah. So you'll still be sad, confused, but also stranded, farty from pulses, smelly from only being allowed to scrape a crystal under your arms and all your old clothes will be crispy from hanging out to dry. Yeah, I don't think that the inner earth mother... <laughs> is the first step on the path to serenity. (laughs) I mean, if all else fails and you just need to get shit done, then maybe it's your inner diva who can provide the shrewdness and fearlessness that I sorely lack. Yeah, you need to channel your inner diva because then it would mean no more people-pleasing. And also, no more emotion is my superpower. It's like, fuck everybody's feelings except your own. Think, Betty Davis at full moon when someone else has just won the Oscar and she's lost her cigarettes. Oh, my God. Yeah, now we're getting somewhere, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Even if that somewhere is a, a wasteland with no friends and the ultimate destination is penury in a long, slow, lonely decline. But, you know, at least the inner diva would know how to say no. Emily, how are you getting on with your constant battle to say no? Well, funny you should say that, Annabelle, but actually I've got a quite a good way of saying no now these days. Oh, what is it? <laughs> it? It is. So if someone asks me to do something or asks us to do something, I say, let me talk to Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
So I'm basically passing the no bat on to you, sorry. But I feel like you have established a, a good reputation as a no-sayer, so I might as well just use that. There was a time earlier in the year when you said, this is going to be my year of saying yes. yes. And I said, but you always say yes, that's the problem. So you said, this is going to be my year of making Annabelle say yes. Yeah, and it's working. How is it working? <laughs> I'm sure I made you do something you didn't want to do the other day. Um, I tell you, a good way of saying no is saying, I'll just check the diary. Oh, that's good. I'll just check the diary. Also, don't you mind if you say the diary rather than my diary? It sounds like it's actually an entity with a sort of, you know, practically a sort of um, microclimate of its own. I'll just check the diary. I don't know what the diary is doing. I don't know what the diary will think. But, you know, the diary is the boss of me. But if you hear, I'll just check the diary, it, it means no, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it also means I'll check the diary because I obviously no longer remember what day it is, let alone what might be happening in two weeks' time. But if you're summoning the diary gods, then it's a delaying tactic for the no. It's just a softening of the no blow, right? (laughs) Okay. obviously, this is not my area of expertise, as we know. But I think sometimes I say things like, that might work. (laughs) (laughs) And I think when you hear that, think Fleabag looking to the camera and that's all you need to know about this response. Yes, one eyebrow arch, because obviously it won't work. No, and, and also obviously I have no intention of making it work. And I make so many other things work all the time. And I would throw myself down the stairs rather than try and make this work. Yeah. But, but it might work. Or you could say, oh, that's nice. I could pop in. <laughs> I could pop in. <laughs> I won't pop in. <laughs> or, 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 oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I mean, does it? Will it be fun, really? I mean... I mean, obviously I'd rather stick pins in my eyes. No, the sofa is fun, bed is fun, telly is fun. No. No, no. I mean, I've also... Okay, something like, I'm so thrilled and touched to be invited. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Uh, The love bomb. So do you think this works? I mean, for all us people pleasers out there like me, the love bomb without a yes strategy. So you haven't said yes but you've hopefully just coated your well-meaning friend with so much love and adoration that they just can't see you slipping on your metaphorical coat and edging out the door. You haven't said no either, have you? No, that's also true. You haven't said no. It's ways of saying no without saying no. That's what I need. I will think about it, another one. (laughs) I mean... Oh, just let me me think about that. Let me just, let me just, let me think on it. For hours, maybe maybe days, maybe years. What I will be doing is thinking about why I don't want to go, what I can say, this is agony that I will think about it, what excuse can I give, and what it says about me that my instinct is always to say both yes and no at the same time. Yeah. So no clarity. Yeah. So we'll yeah. bend ourselves into a sort of pretzel shape um, because we can't say a straight no. So <sighs> here's a tip. When it comes to someone being nice enough to ask you to do something or go somewhere, if you don't want to do it tonight, you won't want to do it in three weeks or three months. But because we can't say no, it just comes out in weird, twisty and turny ways. And then we sound mad and we feel mad. I know. And then you think, oh, God, is this just my horrible personality? The horrible personality. Don't you find that people through the years always say, oh, you know, it's it's just her manner, they say. You know, or, or, or I'm tired, you say. Or we're just stressed, we all say. It's hunger or it's the marina coil or it's shyness or it's just a funny way that you or me or they have about us. Well, I have a question. At what point does your manner or your circumstances become your horrible personality? Because somewhere we all have a horrible personality, even Emily. (laughs) And I think that when your horrible personality takes over, it's usually about anger. Because don't you think, Em, when we were growing up, women were not meant to be angry. It's changed now. 
But we were sort of indoctrinated that, that anger made us seem rabid. Yeah. Do you remember that scathing phrase, the rabid feminist, which you probably still hear from old men in far-flung counties, because female fury is ugly, apparently, to men, to children, to other women, even to animals. So we were told and taught this all our lives, that there's something unnerving and unnatural about the angry woman, you know, mad woman, harridan, and no one wanted to fuck the activist. No one would love you if you were shouting. Yeah, use your quiet voice. I'm already sounding quite angry. What a turn-off. So we cover up that anger and we say things like, I just didn't sleep. Yeah. And so we use our horrible personalities as a sort of anger invisibility cloak so no one can see the fury. Yeah, and the problem we're left with, because we are, you know, good little learners and we yearn to be loved, is that as grown-ups, we now don't know how to deal with the anger that rises up in us. But of course it, it does, and of course it will, and of course it happens. You know, perfectly justified, but not recommended. We don't know how to manage it and deliver it usefully. So we bottle it and we contain it and we add to it with each new fucking angry-making thing so it grows and mutates. So each day we become a little bit more difficult, a little bit more unresolved, and it looks like a horrible personality. We can't do the big anger, so we have to make do with being a little bit angry all the time, minor irritation radiating under every pore. Listen, obviously some weeks are worse than other weeks. Some weeks I'm more dangerous than other weeks. And then, you know, we feel ashamed because we think it's our fault. Please forgive me and my horrible personality. And then we worry that they can't forgive and that they won't and that friends will fade away and we'll end up not just alone, but lonely. So then you've got worry and anxiety heaped on top of the anger. And somewhere underneath it all, suddenly you can hardly breathe. Yeah. And so we just say, sorry, right? Sorry, I'm stressed. Sorry, I'm hungry. Sorry, I'm insecure, vulnerable, tired. And we don't say, sorry, I'm just angry. Anything but angry. It's it's a red, dangerous, unacceptable word. And we find ourselves reacting disproportionately to stupid things, like burnt toast. Moths. Yeah, exactly. Or little injuries and little sore pain things. Or Or someone walking too slowly in front of you. No, that's just fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Any kind of momentary impediment or minor setback. So by the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, it's like, I see a clenched jaw, I see a clenched person, and I can't unclench. Which makes me think that we need to undergo a sort of self-devised freestyle anger programme. You know, to do the sort of, a sort of, to turn an affirmation on its head, rather than saying, I'm serene and peaceful and the universe will provide. Practice saying, I am angry. Yeah, and that's okay, and be okay with it. Yeah, I am angry. To ourselves, to other people, to the world. Not I'm stressed, not I'm scared. I'm angry. And I wonder if our anger expressed and heard might be the thing that will help us to feel less angry. Less anger, less horrible personality. Not no horrible personality, obviously, because we all get stressed and the rest, but less because we've owned what we taught was so unattractive. Because the Furies were female deities of vengeance, weren't they? Yeah. Let's Let's do do it. it. Let's get furious. So, um... We'll let you know how it goes, guys. <laughs> Avoid us if you bump into us for the next week. Exactly, because we'll be saying, I am angry. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midalt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe.